God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray we take root there, uh, grow us and transform us, that we might bear fruit for you in your kingdom. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today features a lot of cries. Palm slash Passion Sunday puts cries front and center. These texts put cries front and center. Different kinds of cries. Cries uh, of praise, uh, uh, for saving, cries of condemnation, cries of derision, cry of agony, a cry of confession. After all, what else is appropriate when you're talking about Jesus and the cross? When you're talking about the, the complicated and powerful intersection, no collision of evil and darkness and sin with God's unfailing, perfect, powerful love, the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the world, human expectations and divine purposes. If you can't cry this week, when can you? If Jesus himself, God in the flesh, can't cry out from the cross, when can he? My wife will tell you that I'm a crier. Maybe that's why I was drawn to the cries in our scripture passages this week. Maybe it's because our own house has a few more cries than than normal. A baby who cries. Boys who cry because of the adjustment of having a new baby in the house who cries. Parents who cry with joy at the wonder and the joy of another child. While also crying the feeling of being overwhelmed. If you can't cry out with this, when can you? Or maybe the, the cries and the texts remind me of the cries going on right now in our world. People crying because they're lonely, distant. People crying because they lost their job or don't know when they're going to be able to work again. People who are crying because They're sick. Cries of grandparents who can't see their grandkids. Cries of nurses who don't have enough protective gear. Cries of doctors having to make decisions on who lives or who dies because there aren't enough ventilators. Cries of despair. Cries of grief. Cries of confusion. Cries of fear. Cries of faith hanging on by a thread. Cries because God feels far. Cries because God feels near. Cries for healing. Cries for hope. Cries of gratitude at the compassion, the courage, the creativity of people on the front lines. Stir crazy. Cries of frustration. If you can't cry out with this, when can you? As Jesus comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, his followers, the crowds, lay down coats and and branches in front of him, and they cry out before him and behind him, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessings to the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. These are cries of of help and praise. Embedded in these cries is the hope and expectation that this Jesus might be the Messiah, the true king, to deliver Israel from all her oppressors. Hosanna is a Greek word that's meant to mimic a Hebrew word that was a cry for help. God, save us. So the people are crying out in the same breath, save us, and we praise the king who we think is going to save us. 
Oh, and Jesus will, but not in the way that they think. He'll meet their cries for a delivering king with a cry of his own. Have you ever cried out this way? Hosanna, save us. As Jesus' journey to the cross continues, there are more cries. Jesus is arrested and taken to trial before the high priest and all the legal experts where false testimony is presented against him in order to have him convicted. And while all of this is happening, Peter is, is on the periphery in the courtyard and, and three separate times when he is asked if he knows Jesus, if he's acquainted with Jesus, connected with him, he denies it. And Jesus said that this would happen. He had said that this would happen. And so after Peter's third denial, when the, when the cock crows, Scripture says Peter went out and what? Cried uncontrollably. Cried uncontrollably. This is a cry of sorrow, of guilt. This is a I messed up really bad cry. This is a cry when I'm so sorry it just doesn't go deep enough. And Jesus will meet Peter's cry with a cry of his own. Have you ever cried this way? And still more cries. When the decision is made to crucify Jesus and Jesus is taken before Pilate, there's a large a crowd on the scene. Peter asks them, as apparently the custom, who do you want me to release, Jesus or Barabbas? Barabbas, they answered. Well, what should I do with Jesus, Peter counters. And then comes another cry, an unbelievably horrible one. Crucify him, crucify him. This is a cry of, of anger of violence, of fear, of the powers of sin and darkness, sending the Son of God to be executed on a cross. And Jesus will meet this cry with a cry of his own. Have you ever cried out in this way? And so we come to Jesus' own cry. As all of the other cries have led to this Point. There on the cross, the ancient Roman equivalent to the electric chair, hangs the Son of God. Jesus Christ, the Word made flesh, God with us, bearing the weight of our sin and carrying all of those cries in his own heart and flesh. Hosanna, I'm so sorry. Crucify him. All the cries we could and do muster from the depths of our joys and our pains and our needs and our brokenness and unanswered whys. All the cries for justice when there isn't any. All the cries for healing when it doesn't happen. All the cries for peace in the midst of violence. All the cries by those who go unnoticed and forgotten. All the cries of those who think that they cannot be loved or forgiven. All the cries for God to do something. All the cries for meaning and purpose. All the cries from those who, who need saving and salvation. All the cries of those who feel oppressed by personal sin or by systems. All those cries. Perhaps all ringing loudly in Jesus' ears like a chaotic symphony. Even as nails pierced his sick skin. Perhaps for a horrifying moment, almost but not quite, cries that overpowered or at least obscured the voice of his heavenly father saying, you are my son whom I love. In this moment on the cross, perhaps that voice was frighteningly, frighteningly fainter 
than it had ever been. And so from the lips of Jesus comes the most unnerving cry of all, my God, my God, why have you left me? Or my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? A loud cry from the Christ of the cross. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is a cry of, of lament in the face of death, a cry of abandonment and forsakenness from the cross. God crying out to God. I, I know we don't want to hear this from the lips of Jesus. It's jarring every time that I read it. Maybe that's because we aren't too comfortable with lament ourselves of crying out for a why from God and not getting an answer. We like nice, neat answers, preferably wrapped up with a a tidy theological bow. But Jesus' cry is, is not to be avoided because it is at the very mysterious heart of how in the world the cross and Jesus' death can be good news. Jesus' cry is the cry that encapsulates and meets all the other cries. Jesus is crying out using Psalm 22, a lament of David, a faithful way to speak with God. As he suffered beyond measure, Jesus scraped through his mind for a line that gave voice to his traumatic experience of feeling abandoned, a way to essentially say, this is not right, God, but I hope you're here anyway. After all, what else can you do from a cross? What else could Jesus do when, when all the weight of the world's sin, all the cries from humanity met the greatest, most powerful force of love that compelled him to see it through, to see sin defeated and humanity wrapped in grace? An early church father, Athanasius, famously asserted, that which Christ did not assume he did not save. That which Christ did not assume, he did not save. If, if Jesus were to save us, he would have to experience in his humanity the full force of sin and evil. He would have to experience in his humanity that feeling of sin lying to us, telling us that we're far from God. He would have to experience what it is to, to feel abandoned and forsaken, even if he wasn't. The Father did not abandon, forsake, despise, reject, or rage against his Son. Let me say that again. The Father did not abandon, forsake, despise, reject, or rage against his Son. The love between Father and Son held firm at the cross. But we can take Christ at his cry. Though the Father did not forsake the Son, Jesus actually felt God forsaken and in his unspeakable suffering drew forth a cry to these feelings of abandonment. In other words, in the great mystery of the triune God, in the mystery of the cross, Jesus, fully God, fully human, created a space within himself to feel forsaken. His cry is a witness to the truth that in love God was doing something about sin and evil. His cry is a witness that indeed sin and evil on the cross were doing their worst to Jesus so they might exhaust themselves on him and be rendered ultimately powerless in our lives. Jesus' cry testified to just how real that redeeming work of God's faithful love was even in the face of feeling forsaken. Jesus could prove a perfect obedience 
and faithfulness to God that redeems humanity, that undoes our unfaithfulness. The cry of Jesus from the cross gives voice to what Paul means when he says, and he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Jesus is faithful despite feeling forsaken. I mean, look at the words of the cry itself. My God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, even in the midst of the terror of feeling forsaken, of feeling sin do its worst, Jesus says, my God. He does not cease in calling God his own. That's a cry of faithfulness and trust. And his perfect obedience and faithfulness, even in the face of sin and evil, saves us. That is good news. And so Jesus' cry from the cross encapsulates and meets cries of, Hosanna, save us. It encapsulates and meets Peter's anguished cries of te- and tears of sorrow and, and guilt. It encapsulates and meets the cries of, crucify him, crucify him. Cries of evil and sin. And all the cries of our hearts too. Our hearts too. The cry that humanity has been voicing ever since we fell into sin. Our pain, our fear, our hurt, our despair, our brokenness being given a voice. The cry of God fully entering into our condition and creating space to feel what it is to feel forsaken and separate from God. Sin doing its worst, God doing God's best. Of course Jesus would cry out. Oh, but after that great cry... Oh, but after that great cry from the cross, something happened. Everything happened. The curtain of the sanctuary was torn in two from the top to the bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. When the centurion and those who were with him, who were guarding Jesus, saw what just happened, they were filled with awe and said and cried out, This was certainly God's son. This cry from the cross was strong enough to tear the curtain of the temple in half, in two, from top to bottom. Strong enough then to tear through and and tear apart anything and everything that would seek to separate us from God's love, whether that's COVID-19 or our own corruption, whether that's distancing or despair. Strong enough to open up access to God's forever presence for all people. Strong enough to tear through evil, injustice, and oppression, strong enough to shake the very foundations of the earth and the way things are, strong enough to start a whole new way, a way of of servant love, selflessness, peace, strong enough to elicit a cry of confession from the very ones who had put Jesus on the cross. Truly, this is the Son of God, the centurion says. This, the crucified, crying out one, he must be the Son of God. A lot of cries in this story, in our lives, and they all meet and are met by the cry of the one who bore our sins on the cross, the one who shares our sufferings, who gives us unmediated access to the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so it is that we Embrace the mystery, the paradox at the heart of the cross, that that in Christ's experience on the cross, we know we need never face suffering alone. We need never deal with sin and evil on our own. 
If we can't cry out this week, when can we? If Jesus himself, God in the flesh, can't cry out from the cross, when can he? Friends, I don't know how you are today. This is a crazy time. But cry. Cry and cry out. Cry out because you're, you're overcome that Jesus would do this for us. Cry out because you feel overwhelmed by divine love. Cry out because you see things aren't right. Cry because people are dying from a virus. Cry because people are selflessly serving and risking their own lives. Cry because there is still beauty and love and generosity operating at full capacity. Cry out because you trust in the crucified Son of God. Cry out because you need grace. Cry out because you're so thankful for what God did that you could never do for yourself. Cry out because you you realize, and as you realize that it is our sin upon Jesus' shoulders, cry out as you realize that because of Jesus' sacrificial death, we are freed from sin's power. And as you do, as you do know that Jesus' cry from the cross gives us access to God's forever presence. Jesus' cry tears apart all that would seek to separate us from God and God's love. Jesus' cry means God will never, ever leave us or forsake us, just as God could never forsake his son. If you can't cry out with this, when can you? In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.